Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Fritz Bilo. I'm one of the pastors here at Lighthouse Community. And uh, welcome. Glad you're here. And here we are like overwhelmingly passionate about helping people say yes to Jesus as their leader um, because life is overwhelmingly transformed when that happens. And so you're going to see that make its way throughout the whole morning today. Um, but I do want to welcome everybody here, especially our guests. Uh, welcome to Bluffton Community, our Fostoria launch team. Those of you joining us through our online campus, uh, I think you guys might have got a special treat uh, during music today because uh, I think my mic pack got left on. So I got the lead. Uh, you got karaoke version of worship today. And uh, you heard me pray for our church during that time too. So uh, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> But if you are online, let me encourage you different ways to engage, uh, jump in the chat, uh, talk with people. Sometimes it's hard to just kind of like stare at a screen for uh, 30 or 40 minutes, and so don't be afraid to get in conversation with people and say good morning, ask questions, all those types of things. So we're, uh, today we're talking about relationships, um, not necessarily like romantic relationships or family or friendships. We're just talking about relationships in general uh, today, and, and there's all kinds of thoughts out there about relationships, um, ideas, thoughts, truths, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought I'd share just some of the best that are out there. So here's one idea, or one idea about uh, friendships. Number one, uh, best friends, they know how crazy you are and still choose to be seen with you in public, right? Uh, you know who you are. Uh, there's some advice on love or thoughts on loves. Uh, I love you with all my belly. I would say heart, but my belly is bigger. <laughs> uh, here's some marriage advice. Ladies, if a man says he will fix it, he will. There's no need to remind him every six months. All right? We'll get it taken care of. Uh, and here's probably the most real thought about relationships. Relationships are like a walk in the park. Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, it's that easy. So, uh, you know, when, when you look at some people, it's like some people are made for relationships. They're just created. And others, they have no clue how they work. Uh, some of you are like sevens uh, on the Enneagrams, and you love dialing into uh, people, and you want to meet everybody. And then for others, like your idea of a perfect day is snuggled up in your bed with a book or a movie, and you never have to talk to anyone uh, at all or interact with a live human being. And so no matter where you land on this people spectrum, if we're just really honest, uh, relationships can be challenging, right? They can be challenging. And I think one of the reasons that relationships are challenging is because of love. And, and let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. In our culture, we have so many ideas about love, okay? But we have one word to, to express and to contain all of those ideas. Uh, for example, I can look at my wife, Christina, um, you know, deep into her blue eyes that have slight glints of yellow within them, and I can say with true sincerity, I love you, Right? And then five minutes later, I can tweet, I love pizza, right? Like, like it's, it's out there. 
And so, you know, like love can be confusing at times. It's, it's like, do you, do you love me as a person? Do you love me for the skills that I possess? Do you love me for what I produce and what I bring to the team or to the table? What happens if I lose those skills? What happens if I can't produce in the future the way that I'm able to produce now uh, in in this moment? And so I think we're constantly asking the question, uh, maybe not out loud or verbally, but internally we're asking the question, why do you love me? Why? Do you love me and why do you love me? What kind of love are we really talking about here? Now, the Bible talks a lot about love. Uh, I think it's like 475 times, no, excuse me, 745 times the word love is used uh, throughout the Bible. So the Bible talks about a lot. You also see, I mean, Christians are talking about love a whole bunch. Even the world, especially over the last few decades, has really been talking a lot about love. And I think the question, the core question behind all of that is this. Are we all talking about the same thing? Are we all talking about the same thing? Or are we talking about different things? And so love and relationships, they go, they go hand in hand, right? They just go together um, because love is just so foundational to all of our relationships. So what we need is we need a clear definition of what love is. We need a very clear uh, example of what love looks like. We, we need a genuine experience of real love in our own lives. And we can get hints of that in this world, but the real thing, right, genuine love actually doesn't come from inside of us. It actually comes from outside of us. And so as Shay mentioned, if you would, uh, if you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13, or you can click over there uh, on your device, uh, we're going to be starting at that place. As you go to John 13, you might also kind of put a, a marker into Matthew chapter 5, because we're going to jump over there as well. But John 13, then we'll make our way to Matthew 5. We're in this series called The Outflow of Grace. And uh, what's interesting is this is actually a stewardship series uh, that we're going through, but we have yet to talk about what you might expect when you go through a stewardship series. And let me tell you why that is. If you go right into stewardship without dealing with or going through God's grace, I think what ends up happening is we run headlong right into religion, we run headlong right into obligation, right into legalism, um, and we have some really wonky thoughts about what biblical stewardship really looks like. And so this series really is asking the question, what does stewardship look like in response to God's grace? And so today we're talking about how do you steward relationships uh, in our own lives. So John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35 is where we're going to be at today. Um, you know what? This is a shorter passage. Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's read this out loud. If you're in the house, if you're joining us online, I invite you to do the same thing. We're going to start with a new commandment I give to you. Are you ready? Go. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus seems to be making a point here. (laughs) So there's a couple of truths I want to dive into uh, today, and the first one is this. 
Jesus commanded his disciples to love. I want to say that again. Jesus commanded his disciples to love. Does that sound weird <laughs> to anyone else? Jesus, like how, how do you command love? Like how do you command somebody to love, right? Um, parents, I want you to picture this for a moment. Uh, you, you're, you've got more than one kid, and you've, your kids are maybe in another room or the backseat of the car or whatever, and, and they're picking on each other, right? They're bothering one another. They're, they're poking fun. They're making, uh, right, they're, all these issues, they're, just, they're, they're causing issues, and so you're doing whatever you're doing, and then finally, you've had enough, and you finally go, stop it! Just love each other! <laughs> Have you ever done that? <laughs> no, that's a parent speaking from experience. Yeah, you know what's even better is when your kids yell back, we are, right? <laughs> we are loving each other. Uh, yeah, how's that working out, just yelling at your kids to love each other, right? It seems like that's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's, he's just like, just, just love, love one another. Like, how do, you, how do you command love? How do you command someone to feel something, I mean, can you really make someone chew, like, choose this feeling right now? I don't know that it works that way. But I think that issue in and of itself actually give us, gives us a clue into what real love looks like, right? That real love is not a feeling only, right? And so what is it? If love is not based on feeling, if it's not a feeling only, then what is it? Well, if you look at the amplified version of John chapter 13, verse 35, you get a little bit better glimpse into what is being communicated here. Jesus said this. He said, listen, everyone's going to know you're my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another right? Unselfish. That's the clue. That's the clue to what genuine biblical love actually looks like. I want to give you a biblical definition for love um, that I hope you'll, you'll own, uh, you'll memorize, you'll integrate it into your life and into your thinking pattern. Here's a biblical definition of love. Love is this, unselfish commitment to another through action. That's the biblical definition of love. Unselfish commitment to another through actions. And this is, this, is, this is deeper than emotion. Now, emotion is included, but it's deeper than that. Emotion's not the bedrock. And because if you wait until you have the feeling of love, then love is about you, Right? But the love Jesus is describing, not only in John 13, but also throughout all the scriptures, that love is actually about someone else. And when you get the biblical definition of love, you begin to see how Jesus can actually command his disciples to love. Because unselfish commitment to someone else is actually a choice. It's a decision. And it's not an easy decision, but it's a decision nonetheless. I can choose to be selfishly committed to me, or I can choose to be unselfishly committed to you. 
through my actions and what I do. And so Jesus commanded his disciples to love. You have to see that. Now, the second thing is this. The second truth is that Jesus commanded his disciples to love each other, okay? To love each other. Now, Jesus wanted his disciples to uh, unselfishly, uh, to be unselfishly committed to each other. Uh, he wanted them to intentionally find ways to serve one another, to bless one another, to pray for one another, to be present in each other's lives, uh, all of those things. Now, some of you might be asking the question going, wait, so, so Jesus asked us to love, he commanded us to love each other, so we're not supposed to love those people who aren't believers? Is that what this is saying? Well, uh, if, if that's kind of your thought process, you're actually reading too far into what Jesus is saying here, right? You're reading actually past what Jesus said. Jesus' command is he said, love each other. Love one another. What he didn't say was, and also don't love anyone else, right? That's not what he said. He just said, love each other. Um, Theologian D.A. Carson has a helpful thought about this passage. He says this, at the risk of confounding logic, it's not so much that Christians are to love the world less as they're simply to love one another more. This is what Jesus is saying here. It's not loving the world less. It's just simply loving disciples more. We're not removing love from anybody. We're just adding. And, you know, you see that when you read through the book of Acts. You see the disciples doing this, disciples loving each other really well. They're, they're meeting the needs of one another. They're dropping off food for one another. They're praying together. They're asking God for help through trials. They're actually selling their possessions. They're selling their land to meet the needs of other people around them. They're unselfishly committed to one another through their actions. This was way more than like positive vibes and well wishes that's going on here in the book of Acts. So you see these early disciples, they took Jesus seriously, but you also see it in the 12 that Jesus traveled with in his earthly ministry. Now, Jesus had two disciples. I mean, a total of 12, but there are two that stick out. One of them, his name was Simon, the former zealot. And then you also had a disciple by the name of Matthew or Levi, and he was a former tax collector. Jesus called both of them to follow him. Now, uh, what you need to know about the zealots is the zealots were Jewish freedom fighters who absolutely hated anyone who sympathized with Rome. They helped Rome, they worked for Rome, uh, anything along those lines. Actually, uh, zealots spent a lot of their time training on how to kill Roman uh, sympathizers. This is just who they were, okay? So that's the zealots. And then you've got tax collectors. Tax collectors in Israel were Jewish people who were actually helping Rome, They were essentially collecting money from Jewish people to send it off to Rome, uh, and most of the tax collectors were actually stealing, right? They were cutting off the top, they they were charging more taxes than was actually due. That's how they were able to become more wealthy themselves. So you've got Simon the Zealot, and you've got Matthew the tax collector. Can you feel the tension, (laughs) right, that's going on here? I imagine that there were times that uh, while they were getting ready to pray, Jesus having to say, Simon, please stop sharpening your knife while you stare at Matthew like that, <laughs> right? Just love each other. And Simon goes, we are. <laughs> um, but in, right, Jesus is saying, listen, live with unselfish commitment 
to one another right here in this circle. This, this command was real for this. This was not philosophical. This was real. This was a challenge for Jesus' first disciples, right? They're, they're, they're butting up against real life here in Jesus' command. Here's the third truth. Jesus makes this point. He says, Jesus commanded his disciples to love each other the way that he loved them. You see the progression here? Jesus commanded his disciples to love each other the way that he loved them. This is actually what makes Jesus' commandment new when you see it in verse 34. Because it's not new. God has always told his followers to love one another. Right? All the way back in Leviticus. Right? This is not some new command nobody had ever thought of, nobody had ever heard of before. What is new is the way is the metric. The new is the fact that Jesus is the standard. What's new is that his love is now our metric. His love is now our definition. Not the culture's definition of love, right? That's not the metric. Not your mom's version of love. She's not the metric. Jesus, his love is the metric. His love is the standard. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus loved past inconvenience, Past discomfort, past pain, past self. It literally cost Jesus everything to love us the way that he did. That's the standard for every disciple. That's what Jesus calls his disciples to. What that means is love may mess up your plans. Love may actually cost you something in the process. Love may call you beyond your own capacity. If it doesn't, it might not be love. At least not the kind that Jesus invites us into. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Do you know what happened right before Jesus gave this command? You know what happens right in this chapter in and of itself? Jesus was sharing what we refer to as his last supper with his disciples. That takes place right before this command. He washed the feet of every single one of his disciples right before he gave this command. Do you know who also was present among the 12 in that moment during the Last Supper and during the washing of the feet? Do you know who was there? Judas. Judas was there. Judas the betrayer. Judas the traitor. And even though Jesus knew that Judas was about to leave, and to go betray him to his death, Jesus still loved him. Jesus was still unselfishly committed to Judas through actions. Loving the traitor in real time. By the way, you're the traitor too. I'm the traitor. Right? And so Jesus died for traitors like us. In fact, that's how far love will go. 
This is the clear definition we've been looking for. Jesus is the clear example that we've been desiring of what real, genuine love actually looks like. And so, and so if you're a disciple today, then you're under this command too, right? I'm under this command too. We're, we're actually commanded to love each other the way that Jesus loved you and the way that Jesus loved me. Now, why, why does he ask us to do that? Now, here's the key takeaway I really want you to grab when you, before you leave today, and it's this. The reason Jesus asks us to do that is that when I love other disciples the way that Jesus loved me, people get a really clear picture of who Jesus is. That's what he says. He says, when you love each other the way that I loved you, they realize that you're my disciples. They see me in you. I become more clear, more, uh, more present right, than, than ever before. Right? It's like you're a painter. You're, you're Bob Ross. Right? And you're, you're like painting this wonderful portrait with happy trees and, and all of those types of things. So we don't, we don't, have, we don't have mistakes. We have happy accidents. Uh, right? Like all of this stuff. And, and when you're loving one another the way that Jesus loved you, you're painting this very clear picture of who Jesus is. You're letting other people know Jesus is real. He's real. He really transforms people's lives. Here's why. Because it grabs other people's attention because it's so different from our human nature. When you live with unselfish commitment to someone else through action, that goes against our human nature, and people start asking questions. Why would you do that? Don't you realize if you didn't do that, you would have more for yourself? Why are you caring more about other people than you're caring about yourself? Why would you sacrifice? Why would you give? Why would you be so unselfishly committed to someone else? People start asking questions, and it becomes a clear testament of Christ in our lives. And so Jesus says, love one another the way that I love you. So how? How do I love other disciples like Jesus loved me? Well, before I answer that question, I think it's helpful to look at one other passage when Jesus was talking about love. So if you've had Matthew 5 ready to go, flip over there, click over there, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 46 and 47. Uh, It says this. This is Jesus speaking about love. He says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different than anyone else? Even pagans do that. And so Jesus is pushing back on this idea that you would only love people that love you. And you would only love people that are really easy to love. See, what Jesus is expressing here, what he's exposing, is this is more than loving people who you get along with or loving people who love you back. Here's, here's the reality, and, and most of us, if you've been a believer for like more than eight minutes, or uh, you've been in the church for even, you know, that long as well or longer, you know that there are sometimes disciples have arguments. <laughs> people in the church have disagreements. That people who seem to care really uh, quite a lot about Jesus, uh, may actually even hurt one another 
within the family. Right? That happens, unfortunately. It does. Some of you are actually here because that happened somewhere else. Right? And so what Jesus is saying here is that the true test of love comes when you choose to love other people that you don't really even like, that you don't get along with very well, or you choose to love people who may have even hurt you at some point in your journey. That's a litmus test of love. How do you do that? Because it's easy to high-five people that high-five you. But it's hard to not high-five people in the face that you don't like, right? You will never be able to love the unlovable until you experience Jesus' love in your own life. You will never be able to love like Jesus until you receive love from Jesus. Never happen. No matter how hard you try or how disciplined you think you can be. Listen, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. If you were here last week, we talked about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, that says, God loved us so much that even when we were dead because of our sin, he was so committed to us, he still raised us to new life in Christ. Romans 5, 8 puts it this way, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still While we're still shaking our fist in his face, and we're still doing what we want, God sent Jesus for us. He still showed love for us. God chose to remain unselfishly committed to a creation that chose self-centeredness, chose selfish commitment. God loved the unlovable. God loves people who don't love him back. And you've got to catch this. You have never been in a position to deserve God's love. You got to catch that. You have never been and you will never be in a position where you deserve God's love. But he loved you anyways. That's the bedrock of what real love looks like. So how do I love people that I don't like? How do I love people who may have even hurt me? Well, first, you'll never love like Jesus until you actually receive love from Jesus. That's the first thing. But second thing is this. I think, I think you need to admit to God that you don't want to love that person. I think you got to start there. God, I don't want to be unselfishly committed to them. I don't want to love them. I don't think they deserve it. And I think when we cross into that level of honesty, what happens is the Holy Spirit then goes, yeah, neither do you. Yeah, you don't deserve the love that Christ has shown you. You're in the exact same position that they're in as well. And you can't wait for the emotion of love to come or else you may never love. The pathway forward is you ask God for the strength and the faith to choose unselfish commitment towards someone else, even when you don't feel it. And then you make the decision to love. And then you trust and you ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. And then you step into that, even when you don't feel like it's there. That's what it looks like to live by faith.
You believe he will, and you act in love. And then later, sometimes much later, the feeling of love follows. But many times, the choice to love comes way, way before the feeling of love ever shows up. And so just being transparent with you, um, for me, I have personally struggled with relationships for most of my life. Um, I learned lessons early on in my life that God is helping me to unlearn, and he's replacing right truth with lies that I grew up with. Uh, for me, my parents divorced when I was three years old, and so I learned at a very early age that people who are supposed to stay actually leave. That people who are supposed to stay committed to you actually go away. All right? uh, growing up in the house of my dad, who is an alcoholic, Right? I learned from that that people who tell you they love you, you actually can't trust them. And so between those two and many other lessons I learned growing up, I, one of the key lessons I learned is the only person I can ever really truly rely on is me. That I can't really trust anyone else. And even after I came to faith in Jesus Christ, that, that reared its head even in my marriage, right? And so I was always waiting for the day when Christina would leave because that's what I learned. That's the lesson. That's the truth that I grew up with. And so over the last 24 years of following Jesus Christ, God is helping me to unlearn those lessons, and in one of the more practical ways that he's done that for me, this is one of the reasons I am always signing up for and joining or I lead small groups. Like I'm in them because I'm not great at relationships. <laughs> like I, I get in them because I'm not awesome at them. So actually what small groups are for me, they're like these relationship laboratories where I can like learn and discover and I can press buttons and see what happens in those moments and you know all of those different types of things because I'm not great at them. But for some of you, you're amazing at relationships, and this is like a strength for you, and I think that's fantastic. And so let me encourage you in this. Like, if you're a person who you're amazing at relationships, keep getting into groups and keep getting around people like me because you're helping me to grow. You're helping me to learn. You're teaching me how to unlearn lessons I had growing up in my own life and learn how to trust God and other people more and more. So, so don't give up on people like me, right? I get weird and awkward, uh, right? Just lean in. <laughs> it's okay. So, but listen, Jesus commands us. He commands his disciples to love each other. He commands it. He says, this is the outflow of believers. And part of what is behind that is this. What it means is that if you can memorize John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, if you can memorize that command, but you're not actually living out that command, Jesus says you're a pretender. And Jesus came to give you the real thing. Jesus came that you would experience the real thing. And Jesus came that others would experience the real thing through you, with him abiding in you. Right? So here's the real question for every one of us here this morning, every one of us joining online. The question is this. Who do you need to decide to love? 
Who do you need to make the decision right now that you are going to choose to love them? Who in the family of believers do you need to forgive? Who in the family of believers do you need to go to and actually ask for forgiveness? Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to release bitterness against? Who do you need to go serve? Who do you need to go give to generously because God asked you to? Not because they deserved it. Not because they're amazing and they love you. But rather because God asked you to. This is your family. Right? Whether you like that or not. We've been purchased by the same blood. We've been adopted into the same family because of his decision and our response to it. And so this is your family. Let me, let me encourage you. Let me invite you. Don't leave this building without making the decision to love. And don't ever be embarrassed to step out and to choose unselfish commitment towards someone else. This is the Jesus way. This is actually what Jesus calls us up into. This is what sets us apart. It's not your voting record. It's not the t-shirts you wear. It's not the bumper stickers you have on the back of your car. That's not what sets you apart. What sets you apart is the way you love. Unselfish commitment towards each other the way that Jesus has been. Because when we love like Jesus, others begin to see that Jesus is real. That's why he invites us to do that. Now, as a pastor of a church, um, sometimes I have some difficult conversations that I have to have with people. Um, Sometimes I have to talk with people who aren't happy with a decision that's been made, um, or they disagree with the direction that we're going as a church family. And to be quite honest with you, I don't enjoy it at all, not even a tiny bit. Um, In fact, here's what I have done for quite a bit, and I'm still doing. So when these situations arise and when they pop up, um, what I've learned to do is I just complain to God. I just complain, and I tell him, I don't want to do this. God, here's what I really want to have happen. Will you just make this go away? That would be great, right? I'll praise you. I'll tell everybody God made it go away, right? And I didn't have to deal with it. Would you just do that for me, God, as a gift? I, and so I just whine. I whine and I complain to God. And then shortly after that, I confess to God that that's the wrong attitude, that that is the completely wrong approach to this moment in this situation. And I ask God to give me the strength to love this person really well. The way that he loved me really well. I ask God to empower me to love the way, to love them the way that God has loved me. I ask God to prepare my heart. I ask God to prepare their heart. And do you know what happens when I cross that line? It's not that it always works out and everything goes well, right? And, and the conversation is fantastic, and by the end of it, we're hugging, and we're planning our next vacation together, right? Like, that's not what I'm talking But you know what happens every time when I lean into that? God changes me. God changes me. Changes my heart. 
Many times he changes their heart as well. But listen, God can change you too. It's what he does. It's who he is. And so what my prayer this week has been is that the Holy Spirit would weaken sin's grip on all of us. That the Holy Spirit would weaken self-centeredness hold over our lives that it would begin to loosen over top of us, that the Holy Spirit would present us actually with opportunities to act with unselfish commitment towards each other, some that may cost us. I've been praying that, uh, that we would experience Christ's love afresh in our own lives and be ready to give that away with great generosity and joy. Because when we love each other really well, when we love each other the way that Christ loves us, it becomes this banner to the whole world. Christ is real. And he's changing the lives of people in this community. So this morning, I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and to ask this question, Jesus What are you saying to me right now? What are you saying through this message? What are you saying through this passage? And I want you to listen to him. Now we want to pray for you. And so we're going to have prayer leaders available in each corner of the room, up here by the cross, over here on my left, your right, back by the double doors, back by the sound booth. We're going to have prayer leaders available to pray with you about any area of your life. And I want to say this before I invite you forward. We are 14 days into 21 days of seeking God, uh, starting off 2022 with that focus. And I want to tell you this. Many of you have taken the step of fasting. Many of you have taken the step of prayer. Many of you have taken the step of seeking God out in the scriptures. And here are some things that are beginning to happen. We are starting to see God do some breakthroughs in people's lives. We are starting to see God do healings among us. We are seeing people lean into God like they never have before, and he is opening up doors for new things to take place in their lives. And so simply because of the decision to seek God first with great intentionality at the beginning of this year. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. As you think about coming forward or going to the back of the room to receive prayer, that you would not let things like embarrassment, you would not let things like, well, I don't know what's going to, I don't know what God will do or what he won't do, but rather just say, I want God more than anything else. So much that I'll get up out of my seat, I'll go to one of these corners, I'll pray with somebody and trust God for for the outcome. But I've got to do what God's asking me to do. And so what we're simply going to do is we're going to stand, we're going to sing one more song, and if you want to receive prayer, you're just going to step out of your seat, go to one of these corners, and pray, pray with one of these leaders who is trained and ready to pray with you today. Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you alone would draw every single person who needs prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. 
You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.